over to the side of the road to kind of pay their respects as a funeral procession is going through. And, and actually, Jean, like I said, we were down in Bozeman last week, and Jean was returning from Bozeman to Great Falls, and she saw part of that procession on the interstate, and she pulled over and, and sent me a little, little, vid- little video of it. You know, and there's just something inside of us that alerts us to a, a sacred event. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before in your life, but there is something that, that tells us from the inside that, hey, this is a sacred, this is a solemn event. I know the first time I went to Ground Zero uh, in New York City after the 2001 9-11 attack, it was somewhat surreal. It was about a year after 9-11, and, and there was just something solemn about being there, and it was, it was a sacred time. And so there are times in our lives where we experience these, these types of sacred events. This funeral was a sacred event. So today what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be talking about another sacred event. And, and this, I'm going to go right into our big idea for the day. The big idea for today, if you're taking notes, is Jesus's church is sacred. Jesus's church is sacred. Like I made mention last week, we started off in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 4, and we talked about the central theme of these chapters. And if you don't remember from last week, or maybe you weren't with us, but the center of the church is Jesus. That's what we talked about last week. The center of the church is Jesus. The center of the church isn't me. Uh, It isn't superstar pastors or superstar musicians, or superstar cathedrals. The center of the church is Jesus. And because he is the center of the church, the church itself, the body of believers, is sacred. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. But because Jesus is sacred and Jesus is the center of the church, this body of believers is sacred. And, and here's what the word sacred means. It, it basically boils down to, and it just means connected to God. <laughs> and that's the name of, the, of this fellowship, right? Connect Church. But that's what sacred means. It means connected to God. And when we're talking about church, we're, we're not talking about a building. We're, we're talking about people. A lot of times, and it took me a while because I didn't grow up in Christian culture or church culture. I, I be became a Christian at the age of 28, but I remember being in a, the Christian circles and everybody would say, let's go to church, let's go to church, let's go to church. And church became the building to me. Well, when Gene and I got together with Russ and Chris, they had made a shift in their vernacular. And it's something that I even catch myself with saying at times now too, I'm going to go to church. And, and no, I'm, I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to go to the building. Right? This building is space. This space is not sacred. This is a is an old bar. Right? Down in Bozeman, they, they worship and come together at a warehouse. It's it's a building, it's space, but but we, we the church, the people, we are the church. We are sacred as believers in Jesus Christ. So what, what makes Jesus' church, and I mean the believers, what makes us sacred? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so
So what we're going to do now is we're going to transition and we're going to go into uh, a couple chapters in 1 Corinthians and we're going to talk about what Paul explains the, the church as being. He uses two metaphors. He uses a meta- metaphor of agriculture or cultivation and, and then he uses a metaphor of construction or building. So we're going to take a look at those two images uh, in 1 Corinthians. So the first thing I want to say, and once again, if you're following along in your notes, this is a fill in the blank. Jesus' church, it's sacred because God is making it grow. It's sacred because God is making it grow. And I'm, I'm going to start off in 1 Corinthians, uh, actually chapter 3, 5 through 9. So after all, Paul says this, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that God gave us. I, Paul, planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It was God who made it grow. So here at Connect Campus, we have several leaders. Uh, I'm one of them, and Gene's a leader. Connection Group has leaders, and there's different uh, ministry leaders around. Ryan's in charge of the band, and and Alicia and Jake are in charge of hospitality. And and so what, what we are is we are planting and watering the seeds, but it's God. It's God that makes it grow. So let me continue on. Let me go back to verse 7 here. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. So here we see Paul setting up this whole thing about planting and watering and talking about different leaders in the church. And we talked about that last week, talked about Apollos and and Paul and Peter and, and everything like that. But then he makes the statement that it's not about the leaders. The leaders are just workmen in the field. And each one of us is a leader in some capacity in our lives. And so if you're reaching out to friends and family members and workers, co-workers that are around you, you're planting and watering the seed. But it's God. It's the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, that makes it grow and, and, and come to fruition in, in people's lives. Again, it's, it's not about superstar leaders. It's about the field that God is growing. And you, you are God's field. The field that that Paul is talking about here is, is not just a plot of land. No, the field that Paul is talking about here, it's a Greek word, and it's very specific. And it's talking about the field that has been intentionally cultivated like this. This has been intentionally cultivated, and that's what, that's what Paul's talking about. I have a little object lesson right now that I'm going to pull out, and I don't know if many of you saw that I was bringing this up, but... Here it is, right here. 
Okay, so yesterday, Gene started, uh, I, I built a couple garden boxes and moved some things around and stuff like that the last couple weeks, and yesterday, Gene started uh, planting our garden, and it, it's awesome. She loves to do it, and I, and I help where I can, but I just, I just don't love it. I mean, I'll help water when I need to or pull weeds or whatever, uh, but, but it's kind of like Gene's baby, and uh, I, I say I do the heavy lifting, and, and Gene does the cultivation. So if you don't know anything about the cultivation process, first of all, what you have to do is you have to prepare the soil. That, that's part of cultivation right there is preparing the soil, you know, uh, using, uh, 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 well, I was going to say a hammer. No, you use a, a shovel, right? Or, or some, something to, to, to get the, the cultivated soil all cultivated and ready to accept the seed. And, and I have a couple of seeds here, right here. These are organic seeds, by the way, if you want to talk to Gene about organic stuff, Gene knows all about organic stuff. So then what we do is we put a couple of seeds down in here, right? And you want to, you want to kind of push them down a little bit, not too far, right? This is part of the planting process here. So we want to do that. Okay. And then you kind of cover that up, get them all nice and nestled down in there. And then, uh, and I haven't practiced this. So, uh, you know, there might be water all over this table here in a second, but then you water, right? So we plant, we cultivate the soil, we plant the seeds, we sow the seeds, and then we, we put a little water down here. And I just hope that that the water doesn't go out, that's going to go all the way, it's going to be all over the table in here. But hey, that's part of the cultivation process, right? Cultivation means in agriculture that you break up the ground, break up the soil, and then it also includes the planting and uh, the watering. And then eventually you get to the harvesting. Now this guy is a little guy, this is spearmint that Jean bought a couple weeks ago or last weekend, I can't remember exactly when she bought this, but this guy's gonna go in the garden box probably today or tomorrow. And then as we need spearmint, then we will harvest the spearmint. Now this little guy looks pretty good, he's pretty healthy, and so he's gonna go, he's gonna go right in there, right? Uh, and so there, there's the cultivation process. Oh, but some people, what's this? Some people use... Miracle grow, right? And part of their, their planting process and stuff like that. So let, let's kind of transition out. So this is the agricultural thing. So the miracle grow, you might think that, hey, you know, the mir- miracle grow, that says miracle in it. So is this chemical the thing that makes, makes things grow? No, it's not. It's not. The miracle grow is not the miracle that makes things grow. And if we transition to the church, we look at things that are growing. And once again, it's not superstar pastors or, or leaders or teachers that makes things grow, right? We're part of the process with the planting and the sowing and the watering. But the Holy Spirit is the miracle grower. The Holy Spirit is what makes things grow in the church. And so, so there we have it. We have a little object lesson here about growing in agriculture. And so, uh, oh, I almost dropped that. That would have been really bad. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the church. The Holy Spirit is that, that miracle worker that makes things grow in our lives. We're just a part, each one of us is just a part of the process. And that's why Jesus' church is sacred because God is at work among us. God is at work among the believers here at Connect. Jesus' church is sacred. Now, Paul goes on after this metaphor, and he talks about another one. He talks about the second metaphor, and what we learn from that is this. Number two on your outline, it's sacred because God's spirit 
lives among us. God's spirit lives among us. And if we go back to 1 Corinthians, what we see is we see that you are God's building. Right here. Here's a building right here. You are God's building. Now, when Paul talks about this construction, this building metaphor, he, he kind of changes the vernacular a little bit as he goes down and as the f- next few verses unfold. And it's, it's really interesting. You are God's building, he calls it. But because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Once again, he's, he's telling a little bit about what his part of, of the deal was, okay? And so he laid the foundation. If you don't know anything about Paul, he was a missionary and he went around Asia Minor and a lot of different places back in the day and he planted churches where he went and then he appointed different pastors and leaders and then he went on and planted another church. So he was laying the foundation in many of these cities, city after city after city, Paul was laying the foundation. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. And so here Paul once again is talking about building and foundations, and now he makes the the shift in his thought process in verse 16. It says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives among you? You see, it's, it's just a building until God's spirit comes inside and makes it a temple. So we can say that all of us believers here gathered together today, we are the temple of God, because God's spirit is here in each one of us, right? We know that, and Paul goes on later, and we'll talk about it in upcoming weeks, that we, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit as well. But he starts out this thought process by saying, you know what? I'm part of the foundation. I'm part of of this building process, but it's just the building until God's spirit comes and makes it a temple. It's great. And we see this in the Old Testament as well. It's just not in the New Testament, but we see it in the Old Testament, the presence of God coming at the dedication of Solomon's temple. Solomon was in charge of building the temple to the Lord. David, his father, really wanted to be a part of the process, but it wasn't what God had planned for for David's life. David was to to bring Israel to a certain place And then he handed it over to Solomon. And Solomon then was in charge of constructing the temple. And we see in 2 Chronicles, we see this. Then Solomon prayed, O Lord, you have said that you would live in a thick cloud of darkness. Now I have built a glorious temple for you, a place where you can live forever. And so that was the beginning of, of Solomon's prayer. And Solomon goes on throughout uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, and he continues to, to pray. And then we get to 2 Chronicles 7. And we see this in verses 1 and 2. So when Solomon had finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burnt up the offerings and the sacrifices. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Now the priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glorious presence of the Lord that filled it. So now the temple was holy because 
God's presence filled the temple. Before it was just a building, but now it was holy and it was a temple because of God's presence. And if you know anything about what happened at that time is that people actually were excluded. And I talked a little bit about that right there, that people were excluded from the presence of God because there was a thick curtain that separated the people from God's holiness. It separated people from God's holiness. Now, if you fast forward up uh, thousands of years to the book of Matthew, and we talked about this, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago. You see in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one that the moment that Jesus died, the Bible says this, at the moment, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now this, this event was highly symbolic, highly symbolic. Because if you think about it, it communicated that the presence of God was no longer something to be contained or that only a few people had access to. The priest could go in there once a year if they were purified. Uh, but, but there was this curtain that separated God's presence from the people. And so what this is symbolizing is the fact that God's presence now is no longer contained in just one little area, but actually that God's presence now is spilling out throughout the whole world. And so if you don't know anything about the the curtain, and I learned a lot this week, but the curtain, and I brought a little curtain here. This is a curtain from home. It's not a shower curtain, um, but it kind of looks like one a little bit. But here's the curtain, right? And so the curtain was actually four to six inches thick. Now, I didn't bring a curtain that thick, so I don't know if I could lift it up, but it was four to six inches thick, and it was 60 feet approximately, 60 feet in length from top to bottom. Now, that's about five and a half stories, which is a little higher than the Davidson Building in downtown Great Falls. So that's how large this curtain was. And the fact that it was four to six inches thick is amazing because if I try to, if I try to rip this, uh, you know, and I'm not real strong, maybe I should get Sean up here. Uh, Sean, it works out. He does CrossFit. Maybe he could rip this. And this is only, boy, that's probably, I don't know, a uh, 16th of an inch thick. But maybe Sean could do that. But I know I, I definitely couldn't rip this curtain in half. And think about a curtain that's four to six inches thick, right? And it, it was ripped from top to bottom. And really what happened was, so God's presence then, once the curtain was ripped, then God's presence was available for all. And God actually could come down and touch each one of us because of Jesus' sacrifice and because of the symbolism of God's presence now being spilled out through the whole world because of that act. It's very symbolic and it's really awesome. So that's, so that's the second thing that Paul is talking to us about here is the fact that God's presence was behind this curtain, but the curtain veil was torn from top to bottom, and now God's presence was available and spilling out all over the land. And it's what makes Jesus' church sacred. It's not the fact that this is a building like I made mention before. But because, because of God's Holy Spirit now, in each one of us, we come together as believers, and this now is a sacred place. And you have to remember, we aren't holy because we've stopped sinning, right? We aren't holy because we've stopped sinning. We aren't holy 
because we're perfect. I mean, I know I'm not perfect, and and I, I venture to say that you would admit that you're not perfect either. We are holy for, for only one reason and this reason only. We are holy because the Holy Spirit lives among us. The Holy Spirit lives among us. He's made us holy. And He, the Holy Spirit, has made us sacred or connected to God. Right? The Holy Spirit has connected us to God. And it's all because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that's why I can say that Jesus' church is sacred. And we can also say that Connect Church is sacred too. As messed up as we are individually, or maybe even corporately, (laughs) as dysfunctional as you might be, and as broken maybe as some of us are, our church, Connect Church, Great Falls Campus, is sacred. And, and really, sacred things are happening here at Connect. I mean, week in and week out, we have a call for those of you that maybe feel that you're not connected to Jesus. Maybe you've never felt connected to Jesus. Maybe you've never what we call surrender our lives and gives our lives over to Jesus. And we make that call week after week and after week. And Many, many have responded to that call. That's part of what makes this sacred. Following after Jesus, those of you that have made commitments to follow after Jesus week after week. Now, the definition of love that we learned a couple weeks ago, and and it's right here. It's, I choose to do what I know benefits you, and basically I know you. And we were talking about that in the context of relationships, and that really has helped several couples kind of understand and get reconnected to each other because of this thought process that I choose to do what I know benefits you. And, and we talked about, like I said, in the connection, uh, in the context of relationships. That's another thing that, that makes Connect Church sacred. And, and then there's one, one last thing I want to talk about is Plunge Fest. That, that's our baptism time that we do. We usually do it at the end of our, of our service time, once a quarter. And, and that... To me, that's, that's people taking the next step, right? That's people following after what Jesus did right before he was starting his earthly ministry is he went to John the Baptist and got baptized. And that's what we do here once a quarter. And, and we're thinking and we're talking about when our next plunge fest is. So if that's you, and I know that several people uh, couldn't uh, make it last time we had plunge fest, but, but once again, I'm going to talk about the connection cards and the next steps, so if you would like to be baptized in water, please put that on your connection card today. Actually, you could do it right now. It wouldn't offend me if you picked it up and wrote it down. But if you would like to be a part of our next Plunge Fest, that's a way to, to say, hey, I'm taking this next step with Jesus that I'm, I'm, I'm committed to what God is doing in my life. And, and I want to just proclaim this because I've changed inwardly, but I want to make this outward proclamation. Go ahead and put that on your connection card. That's what the connection cards are for. And then also, if there's other things, like I made mention, if there's other next steps that you might be taking, please put those down as well so that we can celebrate together with what Jesus is doing here at Connect. Sacred things are happening here. Now, now, after this, in, in chapter 3, Paul 
Paul goes on, and we really need to hear what Paul says here because it's somewhat of a warning that, that Paul gives us here. In 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 18, here's what, what Paul says. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by the world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. And so what's, what's Paul talking about here? How, do, how does someone destroy God's temple? And and here's a couple thoughts that, that we talked about a couple weeks ago is the fact that people that create divisions and, and disunity, that, that's part of destroying God's temple or, or maybe boasting is another one or, or failing to love like, like we've defined here. Our definition of love, uh, ch- I choose to do what I know benefits you. Uh, maybe failing to love in that way and becoming self-centered and selfish. That's another way to, to destroy God's temple and what God is doing here in and through Connect Church in Great Falls. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I don't know if you've ever heard that name before. He's a writer uh, and he was around uh, alive during World War II. He was a German a pastor. He was a theologian. He was also a spy. He was an anti-Nazi uh, party person who would, would speak against the Nazi party uh, back in the time. And like I said, he was also a writer. Uh, actually gave his life up in, in 1945, I believe it is, because of his beliefs and stuff. He was actually hanged because of the things that he stood for. But he was, he was a wonderful Christian theologian. And he's wrote many, many books uh, and, and some of them are, are taught in seminaries around the country or actually around the world. But I just have a little quote here that I think really goes hand in hand with what we're talking about here as far as God creating something sacred, and that's what the church is. So here's what Bonhoeffer says. Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. God hates this wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Those who dream of this idolized community demand that it be fulfilled by God, by others, and by themselves. They enter the community of Christians with their demands set up by their own law and judge one another and actually judge God accordingly. It is not we who build. Christ builds the church. Whoever is mindful to build the church is surely well on the way to destroying it, for he will build a temple to idols without wishing or even knowing it. We must confess that he builds. We must proclaim that he builds. And we must pray to him and he will build his church. Jesus builds the church and, and he does the miracle work of this cultivation that we were talking about earlier. Uh, and now I want to I want to just throw this out there. Maybe in your life you've been trying to cultivate 
Or maybe you've been trying to do the building on your own apart from, from Jesus and the Holy Spirit operating in your life. Each one of us must let Jesus do that in our lives. Each one of us must let Jesus do the cultivating in our lives and doing the building in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter, and the Holy Spirit was sent here to dwell within us as Christians and to help us in these areas of our lives, this cultivating and this building in our lives. But it's up to us to listen and let the Holy Spirit do that in our lives, each and every one of us. So maybe that maybe that's you today, and, and we're going to pray about that here in a moment. I'm going to ask the band members to come forward, but m- maybe that's you here today. Maybe you've been doing the cultivating in your life, or, or maybe you've been doing the building in your life. Well, today I'm going to give you an opportunity to to stop that and and give your life over to Jesus and And then as the Holy Spirit comes into your life, let the Holy Spirit cultivate and build what God is doing. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for sending Jesus to die on that cross uh, those couple thousand years ago now. And as we've talked about the different metaphors that Paul used about cultivating and then about building. And we've talked about the fact that Jesus, when you died, that you you ripped that veil in half. That four to six inches from top to bottom, showing your authority from top to bottom, that your sacrifice is what now gives us access to God's presence. And that presence fills this world. It's all around us. All we need to do is just acknowledge it and say, wow, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness so that I can let Jesus forgive me for my sins. And I open up my heart to the Holy Spirit who will come in and teach me and guide me and cultivate and build this inside of my life. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're here today and you haven't let Jesus in. He's been knocking on the door. Talks about that in the Bible that I knock and if you open the door and ask me to come in, well, then I'll break bread with you and I'll sit with you and I'll talk with you and I'll forgive you. And so we we get to the point uh, today where we, we make this call. If, if that's you, I, I want you to say this prayer after me. And I'm going to ask each one of us to just pray this prayer out loud. As I pray it, then you just pray it after me. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. I admit I'm a sinner, Jesus. I need a Savior. You are that Savior for me. You died for my sins. I admit those sins now. Forgive me, I pray. Change my life from the inside out. I choose today to serve you. Guide my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. It's so good for us to come together and to pray that prayer. If, if you prayed that prayer and maybe it was the first time or maybe you've recommitted, reconnected your life to Jesus, please mark that down in your connection card. We'd like to, to remember you and we can pray for you to let the Holy Spirit cultivate and build in your life. And, and like I made mention earlier, we have a team of prayers that prays throughout the week. And so we'll remember you in prayer that you can get connected and reconnected with God. And part of that is, is coming back to connect on Sundays and, and listening to the teaching and then 